You're telling me she cut her way through 88 bodyguards before she got to O-Ring? <laughs> oh, it's the most savage I've ever seen. No, it wasn't really 88 of them. They just called themselves the crazy 88. Anyhow. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sleezoids, a podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along and help us in creating a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature, Grindhouse style, where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or even franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon... Do it. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) We decide on the official ratings and rankings of every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes a month when we switch from bi-monthly to weekly shows this coming March, which is... uh, not that far away now. It's coming up. We're three episodes in. We're, uh, the first paid episode is three episodes from now. So, yeah. you know, you guys get on that. We highly recommend <laughs> uh, for the full experience of the show and the warm feeling inside of supporting us, uh, becoming a fellow Sleezoid over at patreon.com slash Sleezoids podcast. That's it for the plug. That's the one <laughs> plug. That's all you guys get for, for this week. Uh, last week on the show... Holy shit, what did we talk about? We talked about Dirty Harry yes, and, raw, and deal. raw Deal. And I guess that was two weeks ago now for you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for us, this is just craziness. Yeah, this is this is absolute <laughs> madness. Um, but thanks to all of you who listened to that show. We had a lot of fun with that one, especially the uh, Raw Deal section. Oh, yeah. We which pretty if, much lost our minds on Raw Deal. Yeah, that Arnold performance <laughs> is really, truly something to behold. It's next level. Uh, one of my favorite things I've seen in 2018 so far. <laughs> yes. Uh, 100%. <laughs> oh my god. It's, uh, it's become a, a new favorite for sure. Yeah. Uh, for we, the action schlock. Yeah, and it was really cool to see that a couple listeners had themselves been so enamored by the uh, our coverage of the film that they went online <laughs> yeah. and watched it themselves uh, and so, had like, similar I also reactions. I need to lose my mind, that yeah. the, such as these people. It's pretty unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, uh, as always, I'm your host, Josh Lewis, and joining me is Jamie Miller. Welcome back. Welcome. So last week we did some violent men of the law was the was the subject, and this week we decided to do the lady side. Yeah, violent. Pretty much the opposite. So yeah, it's not even, it's not of the law. They're no. they're more like the they're rebelling. Yeah, they're fighting. Really. They're fighting the established law. That's right. Uh, so these are vengeful women coming back to reclaim what's theirs. That's right. Uh, and and uh, they do. <laughs> they really do. Uh, they reclaim. We want to give a shout out to uh, Willow Caitlin, a freelance film writer over at Roger Ebert and the Village Voice, who uh, suggested this double feature for us. Um, we're going to be talking about Kill Bill Volume One With by a, Quentin Tarantino, which is yeah. breaking our rules a little bit. We're breaking them early. Just a little bit. No consistency here. <laughs> yeah. You came to the wrong show, bitches. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we we mostly are trying our best to stick to 20th century uh, genre fare, just as a general rule of thumb. But because Tarantino is so heavily inspired by the exploitation yeah, films. It makes so many references, too. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. 
we decided that Tarantino, uh, at least in some episodes, is going to be fair game. Yeah. I imagine down the line, I might want to do, might want to do Death Proof. Maybe, maybe when we get to some war stuff, we might do Inglorious Bastards. But those are the ones where he's doing his most pulpy, yeah. uh, uh, subject they matter. They almost belong in <coughs> that decade. You know, the decades that we watch these films in, like, yeah, they, they really sure. do. So I feel like we could. We can throw if there's there. any filmmaker who has learned from these films and taken the best of them, uh, Tarantino is among them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Him oh, and yeah. S. Craig Zoller, who I would love to talk about someday. He did uh, 90 uh, Cell Block, uh, the Brawl on 99 or whatever. Yeah, it's Brawl, and Cell Block, <laughs> Brawl and Cell Block 99. I got all those words mixed up, but it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and uh, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, my Lord. So he oh, did a horror God. Western, and then he did kind of like a uh, a sleazy brawler yeah. uh, prison movie. Both. Uh, he both, loves his violence, though, Both man. insanely violent yeah. films. Uh, <laughs> another guy who seems to be kind of taking the correct lessons from all these films. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we're going to be talking about Kill Bill Volume 1, uh, especially this week, because we were super pleased to see that our local art house theater did a double bill of both kill bills back to back on 35 millimeter film so we couldn't pass up that opportunity it was ridiculous oh it was such a fun time it was (laughs) the sound too like the sound like them busting through tables was just like i i felt like i was there yeah i watched i I watched kill bill not that long ago on netflix and uh i'll just say the 35 millimeter experience with the huge sound and the pounding cheeses yeah uh, it was it was pretty insane and to have a big crowd there cheering all the all the action on yeah. it was uh it was a really good time and so what either a coincidence way. the timing yeah like i myself i watched it on netflix just uh i would say a few weeks ago yeah and i was watching it for some reason something told me not to rate it and then <laughs> next thing you know like a week later you were like hey highland's doing it and it, it just worked out like no tomorrow it was awesome yeah and yeah so we totally decided on this episode before the theater announced that they were doing that because it yeah, is the 15th anniversary so there you go we're timing this as well it's the 15th anniversary of kill bill oh, so we're, yeah. we're talking kill bill volume one and we're going to be pairing it with ito shanya's 1972 film female prisoner number 701 subtitle scorpion, scorpion. Which uh, eventually became a, I believe, a trilogy of films. Yeah. But it is considered one of the best women in prison films and, um, I guess, rape revenge films. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of both. It's interesting how that it does both genres because obviously there's a lot of rape revenge films uh, out there. I've seen quite a bit. I spit on your grave. Yeah. S forty five. These kinds of things. Last but house on the left. Is last that house one? on the yeah. left. Uh, in its own way, I guess. Last house on the left was one of one of the very early ones, and is not actually the protagonist getting revenge. That's it's, true. It's the it's parents fa- getting it's revenge. The father, right? Or, yeah. Well, yeah. and it, it, I, people at the time were shocked by it because I believe the mother gets in on it as well. Oh, okay. it gets a little crazy. See, I haven't, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen the original. I've only seen the remake with uh, oh. with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh no, dude, the Wes Craven original is I, really, yeah, really I'm good. sure that one's much better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had never seen a women in prison film prior to this one, so I don't think I have either. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm not totally sure how uh, this compares to the rest of the genre, <laughs> but it seems to be a generally accepted uh, canon or at least sleazy canon version yeah. uh, of this particular genre. But either way. Both feature uh, women getting revenge against uh, the violent men in their lives. Uh, <laughs> very violent men very in their lives. Men. Yeah. Uh, These dudes are abo- just way above scumbag. <laughs> yes. They, uh, they are evil. So yeah, that's going to be today's double feature. So what do you say? Get into it? Kill Bill. Kill Bill. 
Not too long ago, I was quite the professional. My friends and I, we were the creme de la creme in an exclusive industry. And we all worked for this man, Bill. Then one day, I decided to leave, settle down, and start a new life. But when I tried to get out, they did me in. All right, so we are talking Kill Bill Volume 1 uh, with maybe the occasional glimmer into uh, Kill Bill Volume yeah. 2. But there's, we're gonna be there's mostly, a couple things I want to mention. But. Yes, but we're going to be mostly focusing on Kill Bill Volume 1, which in terms of uh, content at playing as a straight revenge picture has a lot more in common with uh, the, the structure of Female Prisoner. Mm. So... Kill Bill Volume 1, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, if there's any of you out there. Yeah, yeah, for uh, real. Uh, I'm sure and if most you of haven't, you, come on now. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Quentin Tarantino. But he's a filmmaker who uh, pays homage and is absolutely in love with all things exploitation and Grindhouse. Um, and grew up learning all of his film lessons from these films, which is very rare since most people that we see nowadays grew up watching John Ford, Howard Hawks, which I guess is also a Tarantino dude, but Hitchcock, these kinds of guys, these more prestige filmmakers Mm -hmm. uh, in their day. So Tarantino's... A little more polish, a little more. Yeah, uh, so Tarantino's films have have this, uh, this messiness to them. They have this absurdity to them that obviously has got broad appeal now it yeah. didn't back in the day um obviously did he, did he have to kind of push through some boundaries when it came to- i think he did i think people were objected to some of the level of violence in his films especially okay. early on when he was on the festival Revenge circuit is messy jan yeah yeah like that kind of thing uh yeah, yeah even when he was just getting around to kill bill but especially reservoir dogs people objected to some of the way that he chose to shoot violence there whereas for me i think he showed that the violence was horrifying. Yeah. Um, like the torture sequence. I think people were a little upset with the, the music clashing with the, the actual action, which again, the point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and right. Pulp Fiction. It's supposed and to it, make you feel some type of way. <laughs> and, and Tarantino doesn't deny in his own way. He does love, uh, the violence. Mm-hmm. He does love it. Um, and I do too. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like people want to act like that isn't a part of us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's a reason these these gory, violent movies are uh, accepted and renowned. You know, like it. Mm-hmm. They they they're respected for a reason, e- even if they're. I guess you could say that they're kind of <laughs> disgusting. But there's always reasons for that too. You yeah. Know? I mean, throughout the there's film, a, there's something primal that you understand about them, where it's two people hitting each other right and the the emotional connection to that just makes immediate sense and obviously the visceral impact of and opportunities for filmmaking in that are just so much bigger than two people sitting down in a room yes um, yes uh not that he doesn't love his conversations either no no <laughs> but anyway Although i gotta I, say with kill bill he does i mean maybe not in volume two uh but volume, volume two one, is a lot more talk yeah in volume one though he i like this one he out of all of his films, I find that he focuses less on the dialogue compared to everything This else. is definitely the most action-heavy one, and that's yeah. why we were going to get into it, because I think this is among his most violent pieces of just straight yeah. uh, beginning-to-end action. <laughs> it's uh, And it has 100% the most violent 
uh, action scene he's ever put in a movie. <laughs> Are you t- the ending? Yes, the, the, the big eighty eights. Yeah, 88s. the big battle versus uh, the bride versus the uh, crazy eighty eights or whatever they're called. Right. Um, Absolute insanity. <laughs> but yeah, the basic the basic premise of Kill Bill is that there is a character called the bride who Uma Thurman uh, wrote with Tarantino. They came up with the character together. Oh, really? Yes. That's, that, cool. that's why it says uh, the bride based on the bride character by Q and U. Oh, okay. Quentin and Uma. Oh, okay. Uh, so they came up with this character together of this this lady on a on a quest to get back at uh, a manipulative abuser uh, who is has has pretty physically violent tendencies. But what's interesting is how the film complicates that that kind of story. The opening image of the film is one of its most powerful. You have this this stark black and white close up of yeah. of the bride's face, what is very clearly a beaten bride. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, who you find out in that scene is pregnant, uh, getting brutally shot in the head. Yeah, over what sounds like this kind of almost charismatic, calm, macho voice oh, that right, uh, right. Carradine has, who plays Bill. And what's also I found interesting about him is that you learn so much about both characters right there. At least, well, maybe with her, you learn more her the, the situation she's in. Mm-hmm. But with him, he has that line uh, where he doesn't think that he's being sadistic. He thinks he's being masochistic. Because yes, he's which is an important her, distinction. And it's yeah. like, because, like... He can only, it almost feels like he can only a, see his own pain there. Yeah, it's very, it's a very selfish perspective to yeah. look at this scene and be like, you might think that I'm, you know, that I'm doing this emotionlessly or I am, I am doing this yeah. to hurt solely but you. this hurts me too. Yeah. In with, fact, it hurts me more. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> is know? just like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, but again, oh, does it? The shooting her in the face. But like. honestly, <laughs> what's so amazing about his performance is that you, you you believe it? Yeah. Like he sells it. Like oh, he's he he, he's got this kind of like slithery snake charm to him yeah. where you're you 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 understand the manipulation because you 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 know, you want to believe what he's saying. It's like a super it's, violent uh snake oil seller or whatever yeah. those are called from the old west or whatever. Like he just yeah. has different intentions other than to sell you things. <laughs> yeah, so what he does is he shoots her in the head. Right yeah, oh the yeah. Pregnant lady. Uh, <laughs> Cut to title Which sequence. is a pretty unforgivable act. Um, and yeah. And, he sa- and she says that it's his. And yeah. She, he, does, he doesn't He doesn't give a rat's ass about that. No, that is that is like a zero to 100 opening uh, shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> they don't waste any time. Yeah, and, and from there we get into a bit of a, a non-linear uh, following of kind of how we got to this situation. What mm-hmm. she did to betray bill that made bill act and her own um kind of getting comeuppance on bill for these actions giving us the title she's on a mission to kill bill um but on this mission to kill bill she's got a whole bunch of people to go through and the scene right after that is where she takes on uh vivica or copperhead copperhead yes played by vivica fox yes uh and this is one of the most fascinating scenes for him to begin with because i would say Mm -hmm. it's the the scene probably the most offended by the violence or at least the most considerate of the actual acts that she's committing which is just interesting because a lot obviously later in the film the action gets very cartoony and very fun and joyful and this one isn't really that way because they feel like like the the 
the heaviness behind every hit and uh, comparatively oh, to it feels, when she's just like slicing eight guys you kind of and you the, feel and more fun whereas this fight is like a street fight well know? and especially because the music overpowers a lot mm-hmm. of the action later on in the film too and here there's no music because she pulls up to the house right, yeah none <laughs> she pulls up to the house uh copperhead realizes who she is black mamba the bride <laughs> right away right there's away no... and yeah, a hundred percent. They just start Boom. beating the shit out of yeah. each other. As and there's, soon as there, the doors, there's open. no music. The impacts are so loud. I was like, I could feel the theater shaking while oh, we were yeah, watching this. Oh yeah, that sound was ridiculous. Yeah, and there and it's it's very fastly cut where you just see. I mean, the whole movie is 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 kind of cut this way, but you really feel the force of the movement. Yeah, he's such a master at taking a two second action like frame or scene or shot rather. And, and making it just, like... Pop. Yeah, yeah, pop, and also the information just just gets right into your brain. Like, there's there's no... It, it almost seemed... It's not hypercut by any means, but there no, are no. quite a few cuts in that first fight with Vivica, and uh, or Copperhead, rather. And, um, but you never, you, you feel the strength of the martial arts filmmaking, which is, which is that, that kind of like very heavy, but very fast moving, like montage style where you're just like, you get one shot where you see like a foot moving and then a table flips and then a knife is, is, is being thrown in. Everything is just like calculated and yeah. and it really helps with um just taking in the scene and and knowing how the yeah, violence well, especially because the choreography is so complicated a lot of the time and you're yeah and so in order to feel it he he really emphasizes it in this in this first scene mm-hmm. um and what's interesting is what complicates the scene is obviously that the uh copperhead's daughter yep comes up to the house yeah and it's you get a really good joke out of it that there's two assassins fighting in a very domesticated home yeah. the little girl who has no idea what's coming in comes in sees a destroyed living room and is like okay yeah <laughs> like, sure it was the dog <laughs> yeah yeah but it gives them a second to kind of cool down and they start kind of talking and about you know the fact that copperhead was one of the people who betrayed her at her wedding and mm-hmm. and helped get her killed and how she you know she needs to get her comeuppance for it right uh, but what this this scene considers by introducing the daughter is kind of like the rippling consequences of what she's about to do yeah um because that, now these people have moved on they're not just these crazy assassins, these highly skilled assassins anymore. You know, this one, at least specifically Vivica has now, like she has a family now. Yeah. Like this is, it's a completely different thing. And they use that in the scene, which is yeah. And, and, and what's interesting is that it, that does, it doesn't, the film doesn't ab- absolve her because of that. Right. It just, it complicates it, which is what's right. interesting yeah. is it, it makes, it doesn't say, Oh, I can't kill you now. You have a daughter, you know, it, it's, yeah. And the bride even says that, but it makes the bride's decision, more again complicated is yep. the idea yeah because the 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 big thing that happens is while they're sitting there in the kitchen having the conversation this exact conversation yeah. of i have to kill you it's got to happen and the fact that you have a daughter isn't going to change that yeah and she has a great line about it where you kind of learn about uh, uma thurman's character where she i can't remember the exact line but it's something like uh it's it's taste i don't lack it's compassion uh love and something like that do you know what i'm saying it oh was, yes she, she says it's, i can't it's, remember the line it's though. not rationality rationality because because it. it wouldn't be rational to continue that fight at that moment right exactly um, and she was just and like, like it's compassion i lack and, and, and other things i and, can't and, remember and the mercy list. and forgiveness and all <laughs> yeah, of this yeah, because letting her know that she's not letting her off the hook for anything right. that she's done and like, it shows that she she's calculated she 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 <laughs> has a plan she wants to you know exercise that plan but she's also 
aware of things and is going to halt that plan if it's necessary. Yeah, and partway through that conversation is when Copperhead pulls out the gun on her oh, yeah. out of the cereal and she's box. she's not expecting it, too. No, which, she's not, because yeah. when, the, when that first shot goes off, she's shocked. Shocked, and it's yeah. I, I don't know if she gets another shot off. I don't know if she does, but... All I know is that she, if if she had aimed better, that would have been the end of the bride. Yeah, <laughs> she was not ready for <laughs> Kill it. Kill Bill ends in the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> yep, but she immediately kicks the coffee cup at her, throws a knife right in her chest, and then that's it. And that's what's amazing about that bit is that the rest of that sequence, uh, for the next yeah. like five to ten seconds, is like just lingering on her lifeless body. Where you're yep. like, you just did that. You were having a friendly conversation as if you've known each other for years. You're good acquaintances. And now she's a lifeless body on the floor. Yeah. And then as she's pulling the knife out and wiping the blood off, she backs away from the frame to reveal that the little girl just watched that happen. Yeah. Um, and she has a brilliant bit of dialogue here where she tells the girl that, you know, many years down the line. You're still upset about it. <laughs> yeah. If you still feel raw about it. Feel raw about it. Yeah. Uh, I'll be waiting for you. And what that really captures (laughs) is just that she knows that she knows that she is just creating more, you know, it's a, it's a wave of damage. She's almost created another version of herself now. Exactly. Cause now she has another person who's going to be out looking for revenge in 20 years. Yep. Um, so that there's, you know, there's just, there's not a, an easy, clean revenge. And it's, it's, it's almost amazing that he, he essentially wraps up the kind of the thesis of the film it's like you know well, revenge is messy and also <laughs> you know revenge just leads really to more revenge it just it, vengeance is an is a rabbit hole you can't really get out yeah that she's she's very clearly traumatized and she very clearly has unfinished business with these people right but is and i mean aware of the consequences of taking these people down that you know it might that yeah might and, and 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 again creating a like a rip a rippling trauma effect where she's yeah hurting more people along the way. Right. Uh, I believe it's uh, the sword master Hanzo who says later in the film, uh, revenge is never a straight line, mm-hmm. that it's a forest and that sometimes you, you get know, lost along the way. Yeah. You'll get lost along the way right. and that you'll, you'll, you'll encounter things you didn't intend to encounter that. It's yeah. not, it's again, it's not clean. It's messy as hell. Right. Um, because, and, and I think it's also like when, you know, you have that sense of, I need vengeance or, you know, I've obviously never experienced it to her degree. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you have some blinders. You don't really think about, you, you think about the people that you want to personally affect, but you don't think about the people that are connected to those people. Exactly. You know, so, 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 so it's hard to, what's interesting is that Tarantino that chooses, chooses to hit this right at the beginning. Cause in another movie like this, that would be the end scene. Yes. That would, right. Which is what's most interesting about it. Um, yeah. And I guess in terms of plot, I guess it, it kind of is, is at the end yeah, of the movie. In a way. So it's interesting that he shows us this first because this is where the because this is this is the thesis of like a version of this film. Mm-hmm. But he again complicates that more with his filmmaking and the way that he structures this film. But particularly, a normal revenge movie would end on this sequence yeah. where the fact that she's been so had blinders on for so long over this revenge mission, and then bam, she has an awakening that she's causing damage. Yeah. This is not the case. Here we see that the bride already knows that and is yes. choosing to do it anyway, which says so much about her character that this is a conscious choice. Yeah. That she she knows that she's causing damage. She doesn't need to be told yeah. that. She just And in a way do you this think this is so that, necessary for her. Right. And you in a way do you think that she justifies even the, the I don't things even, that she even the things that she affects that she didn't want to? Do you think there's a justification in her brain? There? I don't. I don't know that justification is the right word. Okay. I think 
I think that she needs to do this. I think that okay. that's it. That on, she doesn't on, on, need the justification, really. No, she she she, she, just she, she, she needs is... her own cathartic yeah. uh, closure to this situation. Yeah, and I think that she is making the conscious choice that she doesn't care how that happens. That she's going to get it. Um, Which I guess is kind of like that answer when she responds to the daughter. If you're still raw about it, come get me. She she's if, not makes saying sense. like I'm sorry that I had to do this. She's saying. Come get me. Like, if yeah, you she, need to do this, if you need to be what I'm doing now, exactly, one day, exactly, come be, get be, it. because she gets it, because yeah. she's looking for that closure right now, and she just got some of it. Yeah. And she's saying, look, if if you are in a state like I am now, and you need closure late in your life, come yeah. get me. I'm That's all yours. That's really brilliant shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a great sequence to open the film on. Holy shit, we're only on the opening of the film. <laughs> we're like 16 minutes. In. But either way, this is this is a really important part of understanding it really is yeah um because what the rest of the film goes on to be is a a homage to this kind of shaw brothers martial arts kung fu samurai style uh filmmaking i love uh the wire action that they have where the uh where you know the the movements are so clearly not stuff that real people could be doing no no like Uh, they're climbing up vertical walls like 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 their steps (laughs) Uh, it's like crouching tiger, hidden dragon stuff. Yeah, and uh, the the movies that he he kind of took the most from were were revenge films themselves, as well as uh, a film called Lady Snowblood, which mm. uh, specifically the the uh, scene in the snow with Lucy Liu comes from that. Oh, okay. Um, and, and it works so well with the red and the white uh, like contrast there. It's it's it's. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which again, female prisoner does a little bit of that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what kind of happens for the rest of the film is we get. Um, some more complications to this idea where we are introduced to, we get it. Basically the rest of the film is an extended flashback. Yeah, it really is. I've never, until we've really discussed it, I've never realized how important uh, that first scene is. I mean, it really just gives you the plot all there. And then the rest of it is kind of an exercise in his, uh, genre referencing and, 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 you know, well, and, and then further developing the ideas, right? Right. It's like, right. it's like, he, but he lays them out for you right away yeah. and then just expands like in the them. first 10 minutes. There right. You go. Rather than, rather than unveiling them slowly, he gives it all to you right away and then just, just kind of gives them great detail throughout the film. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. So the, the next point that he touches on is he gets into the idea of, uh, Bill kind of, not only is he manipulative, but he wants to control them and their bodies in like interesting ways. And what it what it gets to uh, with that is we have the flashback of her getting up mm-hmm. after being shot. She was in a coma for something like four, four years, four years four or something years, like yeah. that. Uh, and we get a really disgusting <laughs> meet old uh, Buck who likes to fuck. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we get a really disgusting uh, business arrangement going on where they're using the the corpses as as sex dolls. Uh, and we see her get her, her, her revenge on both Buck and the, the like male the nurse guy, yeah. who is like, who, who is, who is arranging that. Uh, and what's interesting about this is that when we see Bill in frame, uh, in the first film, especially, uh, because we, this is not at all how you see Bill in this, in the second film, in the first film, you only ever see him just outside of frame with his hands, like touching 
faces of women. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, or like holding a sword. Or holding a sword. It's yeah. either violence or sex, it seems. Yeah, he's, he's kind of got that Blofeld James Bond thing going on where yeah. you only see like his arm and the cat. <laughs> right, right. You know? Instead, so, he's stroking the samurai sword. Yeah, so he's stroking the samurai sword. <laughs> or, or he's touching like Sophie's face or he, in the mm-hmm. opening scene, he's touching the bride's face. Um, and you, you kind of get this feeling of that he just feels like he has complete control over whatever he's, yeah, he's whatever he, he touches, he's, he's touching, whatever and he comes across. So that's what this that's what this scene where she wakes up from her coma and she literally can't control her own body comes from, and that's why we get this oh, big okay. kind of emotional relief that comes out of her just being able to wiggle her big toe. Yeah, which is and which is another way for Tarantino to get feet in the frame, which is something he always <laughs> looks know? for an opportunity to do. <laughs> Uh, but while she's doing that, we get introduced to Ored, Lucy Liu's character. Uh, in a full-blown anime. Yeah, full-blown oh, anime sequence. So cool. It's like 20 minutes, too. Like, yeah. It's like I don't know full, if it's 20 minutes, but it well, is yeah, long it as just fuck. Feels, it's at least It 10. feels like a full episode of like an anime. Like it, It's, For it's sure. unbelievable. And it's so well done, like the blood uh, splatter. Do you know what... Is there like a certain anime that he's referencing? What with like the overextended blood splatters and just like because there's like waterfalls of blood in this. It's it's definitely yeah. made to be. Yeah, that that top. I don't know. I haven't watched enough anime uh, yeah, to neither. say for sure, but I imagine he's a big fan of like some of these like really dark animes from the '90s yeah. and whatnot. I have to dive into some of those now that I've seen just that that style. Um, I wonder if I, I want to after this just as a thing. I'm gonna look up the animator and see if maybe he's. Uh, you know, someone that maybe he's referencing directly that he got. Yeah, like how it. he does with like Sonny Chiba, the Street right. Fighter. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah. The other guy. Gordon. Uh, Gordon Lao uh, Ching, I want to say, something like that. I know oh, it's right, Liu, right, right. L-I-U, but. Yeah, and I mean, same with David Carradine, too, who plays Bill. He's obviously an exploitation actor from yeah. back in the day. Oh, yeah. So he, Tarantino just gets to kind of play with action figures for a living. <laughs> he just yeah. gets to see all these people who he has loved for his entire life and gets to remake uh their best scenes with them uh and mess with them in his in his own creative way yeah which i gotta just to to briefly say uh with gordon uh the guy that plays the leader of the crazy 88s and also he plays uh uh why pay pai way Pay 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 Way. The guy he's got (laughs) big white beard and Kill Bill too. Yeah, yeah, the guy with the white beard. But it's a direct reference from a character that he played uh, in the seventies from a a film called uh, It's like Clan of the White Lotus or something like that. Yes, and he plays a dude with the big old white eyebrows and he's wise and he's and and I just got to say that that's got to be such a a moment well, for Tarantino to to have the guy that you're honestly referencing from that film play that character in your film like that's crazy. Well, I was gonna say you. I don't know if you know, but David Carradine was on a show in the '70s called Kung Fu, where oh, he was okay. like a Kung Fu master type thing. Oh, that's so that's awesome. so a lot of people kind of read this as like this is if the Kung Fu guy aged this yeah, is who he is now this is who he became <laughs> the leader of the top assassins in the world yeah but what we get introduced is we get introduced to oren and i think that the heart and soul of volume one comes from this uh back and forth that happens between uma thurman and lucy Liu. Uh, because what kind of ends up happening throughout this whole thing and what Uma Thurman starts to realize as she's killing all of these these different people that she's pursuing is that she, you know, these people are, are former acquaintances of hers, probably even friends. Yeah. Um, and that 
you know, she doesn't feel that necessarily maybe they are the worst people in the world or that, that maybe even if they are like Oren does, they do not pull punches <laughs> with some of the things that she does. That scene where she cuts off the dude's yeah, head. runs across the table. And <laughs> shuffle, just, shuffle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Oren is ruthless. But and her like her performance of the like her screaming, it's just there's so much authority in that in that dialogue. Oh, yeah. that Lu- Lucy been, Liu is great in that. Yeah, that could have been kind of cringy, but she just nails it. That that guttural that she gives when she's <laughs> delivering the line. Oh my god. Yeah, but what what kind of happens is that uh, the bride realizes that maybe even if she is a terrible person, that the bride's kind of a terrible person it, too, and in the same ways, I guess, is what she realizes. Yeah. That they're, they're, in another world, the roles have been switched for them. Because um, when is, you think about it, I mean, what has, what ha, what have they done that the bride hasn't? Well, it's just, it's just like, imagine Oren is the one who ended up being the one that fell in love with Bill. Right. And then, you know, would Uma probably would have betrayed Oren. So that's just kind of how it works. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what happens is that while the, because the, the rest of the movie is just the bride making her way to Oren. Yeah. And this hugely violent action sequence, uh, which is amazing. Tons of great needle drops going on. Tons of great decapitations and splitting in half. Just ridiculous. Uh, and some, some honestly, one of the great action sequences that we've seen so far yeah. in the 21st century. And I century. heard, like, because he knew that these giant uh, ending fight sequences, for, for at least certain people, maybe people that aren't used to the genre, can get a little bit... Uh, I think the word may be overzealous. It's just, it's, it, they last almost too long. I think he actually said that there was something with like those old Kung Fu movies where the final 20 minutes could get a little bit straining just because, you know, they don't, they don't switch too many, uh, they don't switch the direction a lot What, what with uh, the way that he does it. Like, he switches from uh, color, then he goes to black and white, then he goes to silhouette, yeah. and then he goes back to, like, a comedy thing where, where she spanks the one Yakuza boy and all yeah. that. Like, he does, like, four different sequences throughout this giant final battle, so it feels yeah, fresh and, 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 and it's over layered, and over it's again. layered with drama, and it's layered yeah. with comedy, um, and, yeah, the movie like itself boss takes, battles. <laughs> yeah, the movie takes Go-go. all kinds of turns in the in the structure, in the flashback. I love how it even takes, like, five minutes to kind of delve into the the emotional art of sword making uh, yeah. with, with, with Hanzo's character. That's one of my favorite sequences. It's, yeah. a, it's like, relaxing. It's, yeah. it, like, to watch him just look at the, the samurai sword. Again, there, there's just, just so much care uh, paid to, and love, obviously, yeah, that Tarantino so feels passion. for these films and feels for... Um, you feel a, it in every A lot of shot. these characters. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And that is where the filmmaking gets into it because the filmmaking, especially that last action sequence, is, is some of the most fetishistic violence I've ever seen on screen. And it's magnificent. Don't oh, yes. get me wrong. But she... And it really does reflect the bride's character, but she loves every second of decapitating these people and oh, splitting yes. them in half. It's so much fun. Uh, the crowd gets riled up because you just you you there's there's this palpable catharsis that everybody feels from seeing her get this kind of revenge is yeah. what it is. But like even against people who maybe don't deserve to be as brutally killed, but you're still yeah. you you get hyped about it. Because I mean, those dudes are nothing more than hired security guards. Yeah, which That's, is why when she spares the kid, it's a nice little moment. Yeah, you're like, this yeah. is what you get for messing yeah. with the Yakuza. And I actually heard that that wasn't originally in the script. And Uma Thurman uh, saw this this kid and was like, he's too innocent for me to kill. So they came up with that whole thing. Uma's where, so great. Where they were like, I'll just slice his sword, spank him and do that. Make yeah. it a comedy moment. No, she uh, truly is endearing. this character, oh, which yeah. is the main thing. I guess we haven't. She understands it. Like, yeah. Like, no, tomorrow. no, she she co-wrote the character. 
and she really does get it. And her performance is honestly a huge part of of what makes this work at all. The way that <laughs> she can she can twist a line to be to be witty. The yeah. way that she she glares and in fury too. rage. Some of these lines yeah. are very exploitation genre yeah. lines, but she makes them oh they're so corny cool. as fuck. Some yeah, of them. but yeah. she makes them She's like so cool, cool yeah. and like she adds charm. It's it's truly unbelievable sometimes. Yeah. So we get this big, violent, crazy action scene where we just revel in all of this murder and all of this, <laughs> this blood, all of this craziness, Got buckets of blood, and it all builds to the the moment with with Oren where they they both look at each other. She realizes Oren realizes that this is where it's going to happen. This is our our, our showdown. Yeah. Um, and at first she's like, "I'm going to win this. I'm taking this on." And the bride's like, "I got to do this." And I love that there's this moment where Oren makes fun of her because she's just like, oh, you silly Caucasian girl. girl like playing with katana swords. Yeah, yeah, like you don't know shit. But then yeah. she does actually get a good a good hit on her. And there's that lovely moment where she just she's just like, I, I genuinely apologize for like making fun of you. Like, yeah, like that, you, the, the sense of, of respect for each other. Yes. Though, and there's and there's there's an understanding between the two. And the performance for both of them is what really sells it. They they are amazing in this movie. Yeah. Which, and I, which I could just get to as a side note here, like uh, who, who, who's Lucy Liu? Lucy um, Liu she's yeah. one of those actresses that's kind of very, you know, hit and miss. And it's it seems like a lot of these actors that it, Tarantino it, it works like she with, just was never cast correctly. Yeah, is what he it can seems just like. bring out the best in these in these actors because a yeah. lot of those actors in the Assassination Squad aren't particularly incredible or at least haven't been given the shot to be incredible. But within these films, like he just knows how to direct them in, in yeah. such a way that they understand the character. Yeah, absolutely. But what the scene kind of gets to and how it's going to relate to Female Prisoner when we get into our discussion of that. Um, is mm-hmm. that this film, despite reveling in so much violence and having so much joy uh, for most of its running time, there is a palpable sadness to the idea that these women are being pitted against each other by Bill. That Bill, yeah. it, Bill is really the kind of head of of this this Hydra yeah. that she's she's you trying to cut feel down for Lucy Liu when she gets oh you do and because you're like which is oh, amazing you know I don't... because you've seen her do some brutal unforgivable right. and things. up to then I didn't think I was going to care that she dies and then when she did I was like I actually like <coughs> your character I don't want you to die like I felt something which you don't normally feel when the the girl finally gets her, her revenge you know yeah what I mean? and, and and the fact that he includes a whole origin story for her too yes, is, is a huge yes. part of it like you don't childhood include, included yeah you don't include that segment in there unless you're intending for you know, a kind of understanding of her character to come into right. this. Um, and if not as much an understanding as you have for the bride's revenge mission, yeah. um, which is just, you know, the fact that this is, that this gets complicated in this way is really what sells this, what sells this movie, that these people are making these choices. They're aware of the consequences, uh, but you know, and it's, it's still sad. It's still sad. Yeah. So because I mean, at the end, like, I mean, we get all the way to Kill Bill, you know, volume two, she finally gets her relief. But there's such a journey to that relief. Oh, and and, and even then, there's still like her performance. One of the best uh, for Kill Bill volume two, that that's that scene at the very end where where she's relieved, where where she's relieved. But there's still that kind of like it's it's a a tearful, regretful relief. It's both because that Michael Madsen has that great line where he's like, you've got to the end of your days do you feel relief or regret? Yeah. And I think what you kind of see in that last scene with her is a little bit of both. both Cause she's like, definitely. Bill was awful. This needed to be done. Yeah. But she kind of 
misses him and yeah. you know now it's all she knew and now she's too. with now she's with her daughter on her own and there's just yeah there's that's there's, a whole different life for her yeah she's learning how to live a different life at like 35 it's, it's pretty <laughs> absurd how emotionally complicated these these movies are for the content, the content otherwise for sure. of the films that you're watching it is truly unbelievable so let's enter the reductive rating round as we always do oh yes. where we you know we we erase all of the nuance and all of the uh complexities of of words that, <laughs> that we just went through uh and we we reduce the movie that we just talked about to a rating between one and five just a statistic yeah uh so kill bill volume one for me easy five Easy five for me too. Yeah, it's it it's masterful. it's among Tarantino's best films for me. Oh it, yeah, it's easy top three. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, for me too, definitely. Easy five. Sweet. Well, that was Kill Bill Volume One, um, and uh, next up we're gonna be talking about Female Prisoner Number Seven Hundred One. Scorpion. talking female prisoner number 701 the scorpion Scorpion, the first movie uh in a trilogy of movies about the female prisoner number 701 that is her name Uh, (laughs) that is her name this movie is by ito shunya uh so the opening frame of female prisoner uh is that of a japanese flag um being honored obviously by a bunch of uh, prison guards at the moment they are being awarded the the best prison yeah. uh, award which is not a great sign <laughs> no <laughs> uh, and also whoever delivers th- those awards or sets those out uh you're wrong yeah <laughs> you're not very pretty good ob- at pretty, judging pretty objectively <laughs> yeah pretty objectively wrong <laughs> um but what happens in this opening scene is they're they're there's sort of like this kind of nationalist behavior of them be, of the guards being awarded for for rehabilitating their prisoners or for at least keeping them in line uh, better than any other prison, uh, which is quickly interrupted by a giant alarm going off oh, yeah. uh, because two prisoners are are on their Escaping. way out and broad daylight, which apparently is not uh, not normal because everyone's freaking out about it. <laughs> the balls on these girls. Yep, yep. Because everyone's like, "Damn, who could possibly be doing that?" It has to be. Matsu. Matsu. Is that, is that Matsu? Yep. Did I get that uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matsushima Nami. So she's on the run with her friend Yuki. Yes. And they are running through um, a field away from, obviously, the guards and also these uh, these dogs that are chasing them down. Uh, and this is one hell of an opener because it immediately sets the stakes <laughs> where clearly... Uh, 
they are being brutalized because they send those dogs after them and those dogs oh yeah are gonna be pretty violent <laughs> yeah they're not just gonna grab them <laughs> yeah and and for a movie to open also on like dog murder <laughs> yeah yeah right away they, yeah. the dog just gets beaten I yeah mean, they, they do the dog in and they're being chased by just like a sea of uh japanese men who with guns and dogs and and sticks and all kinds of things that they're prepared to beat them with um, and there's something else uh, when she has, uh, and I didn't know if this this signified something specifically. Maybe just you know uh, the fact that they're so oppressed within the prison. Um, but it mentions when the girl gets uh, her period on the run, and yes. that's how the dogs uh, sniff them out too, um, or at least that's what it seems like visually. Uh, it it mentions that she hasn't had it in a while. So I'm assuming to- that that means like they've been in such an environment. Uh, whereas the body yeah. might be changing. It- yeah, I, ca- I kind of got that too, that it, it, it seems like be- now that they're experiencing this freedom that even their body kind of feels it. That yeah. now, now it can, it has an opportunity to, you and know. And as soon as she's been released and she's out in the, like, the wild, it, it seems like, you know, her body's kind of functioning normally back, again. Right, coming back right? to normal. Yeah, so it, it seems like she's, you know, she's becoming a, you know, not that she wasn't a woman, but she's, right. she's coming into... Uh, her normal self again is right. the idea. Almost this, just becoming a human just, again. <laughs> j- j- just from like sniffing freedom. Because yeah, again, they yeah, don't get away in this scene. Not, no. no, but she, she gets a taste of it and it's enough to, to bring her back. Yeah, so she she gets in... Uh, they obviously, this this uh, <laughs> breakout goes horribly wrong. Oh yeah, they don't, they get, don't get away get, at all. They don't get away. <laughs> they get captured. Uh, they get the captured. start of the plot, in fact. <laughs> yep. Uh, and yeah, imagine a, a prison film where the opening is they le- get out. <laughs> they of get out. Yeah. Yeah, like, Never to return. <laughs> woo! <laughs> that was good. Nice happy ending. Yeah. So what they <laughs> no rapes. Yeah. What what happens here is they get they get captured, uh, and we get an amazing title sequence where uh, the moment where she realizes that she's captured, she does. She looks back at all the uh, Japanese guards. And just glares at them with these oh, huge, yeah. wide, furious eyes. Yeah, um, just total confidence. Like I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not afraid of you, nope. really. Like I know what's happening here. Yeah. Like she's like you can see her visualizing the revenge in her mind right then and there. Right. Um. And then the <laughs> uh, as the credits start rolling and we get this amazing song, the Her Vengeance song, which, which is again sung by the the actress, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is which just is awesome. Cool. The frame dissolves into what basically looks like all of these naked uh, female prisoners uh, on like a con- conveyor belt, belt basically, uh, where they're they're forced to hop over and spread their legs over this thing, while the guards underneath get to just kind of look, yeah, get to peek. A, and get, they are blatant about it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it dissolves into the conveyor belt, and then again, it dissolves into. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the the guard's the wide guard's eyes, eyes as he's yeah. clearly frothing at the mouth looking uh, yeah. up at all these women. Uh, and right there you kind of get an idea of the dynamic between the guards and the prisoners. Uh, right. And especially that very specific gender dynamic between the two. Uh, where they are under control, they are being watched, and... Uh, and they don't just view them as prisoners. They, they, they're I sex mean, objects. Yeah, exactly. Of he's he's, uh, he's ogling these women. He's not just like, yes. okay, you don't have anything, you don't have anything. Yeah, no, it's it's very sexualized. Definitely. Um, and that's where and we And throughout get, the film, too. Oh, yeah, totally throughout the film. Because um, that's that's kind of... it's. The, the film itself is obviously getting at the idea that this is, in, in its own way, this is 
a lead up to violence and violence mm-hmm. that they're that this is this is the beginning set of your mind where you stop registering these things as people these these prisoners as people yeah and it's where you can do horrifying things like rape which is yeah. what ends up happening to uh matsu when she she gets back in uh gets oh, right. it's as the as the punishment um and they're trying to get answers uh yeah they're, they're, what they're, was the answers for actually i don't even remember I don't remember either. Just because now in my brain it doesn't quite connect because why would they be getting answers from her after she's escaped? Well, Maybe I, it was how she escapes? I think I think she gets brought in and they are just punishing her at first. Okay. Right. Is that they, they separate her and her friend Yuki into kind of cells where they can both, they can hear each other. They're on opposite sides and there's a nice moment where they kind of bang heads on the wall as a signal to, to each yeah. other um, that to say that they're okay. But then... The soup lady comes in, oh, who is a lady who, uh, again, this is a uh, female prisoner adopts this thread even more than Kill Bill does. But this mm-hmm. is the women against women. This is a uh, a lady in the prison who has gotten power in the prison by selling out the other women. Yeah. And by by, by basically by, just being by a, a another uh, guard. Right, yeah. By, by joining really? the guards in their violence, which yeah. is what makes this even more interesting, is it's saying that this violence isn't just by by men. That mm-hmm. it, is a, it is a clear system of power. Right. And that, yeah, it definitely favors men in this particular situation, yeah. but women can be a part of it, absolutely. Right. And, it's, and what's interesting, too, is that, you know, she doesn't just do, you know, what the guards do tell her to do or anything like that oh no she, she's she doing things out of to. her own malicious intent like she's like she, the she, she's bringing she, in the burning soup and is pouring and, it on them yeah, because torturing them because they just think they're coming to feed her right and that's not to say that the guards have altruistic intentions no of i'm feeding sure if her. they didn't know they wouldn't care but or at least they would punish her as well or but, something, the, but, but the soup lady has her own idea of i'm going to enact punishment on these girls because look how beneath me uh, yeah. they are um, like even to the point like where she not only doesn't allow her to feed she just plops the slop right in front of her but then takes a wet blanket that she soaks in a puddle yeah. and puts it over her just to make her more uncomfortable like yeah. it, it's not it, i thought you know it, at it's, first it's it malicious. was just yeah, yeah it's totally malicious yeah she's she's doing it not just for for her to sit, feel safe she's just doing it cuz she's almost enjoying it yeah so what so what happens here is that Matsu hears Yuki being tortured by the soup lady. Mm-hmm. And then the soup lady comes over to her and Matsu knows what's going to happen. So Matsu right, right. manipulates the situation so that the giant pot of boiling soup falls on the lady's face. Yeah. And ironically and using the, the rug that she put over her too, yes. which is which is pretty satisfying. <laughs> yeah. And and here's here's where you can tell because again, we're like 5-10 minutes into the movie, she's already in revenge mode. Oh yeah. Like she's she, like fuck this. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. So she takes her down and then that's why the guards are torturing her because they want her to confess that she intentionally right. hurt the soup lady. Right. Um, right. and then while she's getting tortured by uh, the guards is when we get the first flashback that uh, lets us kind of find out how she got into the situation, how she became this person and is one of the uh, craziest sequences in the movie for me, which is where it goes back and it shows you that she, she was in love with a detective that there was a, a Japanese detective who was hunting down some sort of drug Lord or crime boss or something like that. um, And that she was in love with him. And the movie takes great filmmaking pains to show you 
what a real sex looks like for her. real consensual consensual sex for matsu looks like yeah and it's a ama- it's a it's amazing it's she's, a, it's she, a, she's wrapped in this white blanket um or this white sheet and it's this really dreamy sequence yeah, it's where it's like a moment of pure bliss yeah and and he's like the only uh, part in the he's, movie <laughs> he's, he's like unraveling her and she's like she loves this this movement that they're doing mm-hmm. and then he gets into the sheet um it's really beautiful yeah it's a really sweet moment in an otherwise pretty horrifying film (laughs) yeah um and which i guess is what when it comes crashing down uh when essentially it because it goes from the uh she she unravels the sheet and then doesn't it, it 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 forms into her rape eventually where the yakuza's uh, come together yes because it well because it goes it goes from that and then it goes into the sheet with the period blood on it that looks like the japanese flag. right we should mention that which i thought it might have been i don't know if it was necessarily her like losing her virginity it could have been it could have been it could have been the suggestion i guess i it just but, seemed, but again she it, seemed like a like a, a grown woman and i and i didn't know well maybe also japan could have had a different you know uh, social stigma for sure that. but even even then it's still even if it doesn't like track literally like it's still as as an image it it's, could just represent innocence or purity in its you know of, yeah of or, or it could kind. be the the same thing to do with the opening where it's this this freedom Right, you know, right. Where it's where it's like this. Yeah. There's a there's a feminine freedom going on here, and Definitely. something beautiful that's happening. And yeah, immediately it goes from that into she would do anything for this guy. Yeah. So she goes undercover for him into this crime uh, ring, yeah. where she just gets sold out. Uh, oh yeah. Pretty fast. Um, all it's, of the it guy, almost seemed like the first meeting that they had. Yep. All the crime bosses or all the like guys who work for the crime boss recognize that she is she is police um and they rape her gang rape her pretty brutally um and it's a really horrifying scene where you get this kind of you get this dutch close-up of her face as it's happening Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a really painful shot to watch uh and her performance again is is really selling it yeah Um, and what's amazing is when it shows uh, you know, it just shows her face and it kind of just shows the backs of everybody. Yes. And then once they go under the floor and you see all of these Yakuza bosses, like... And their faces. Just, yeah, yeah, there's and, like and four just, or five of them in the frame. It sets in an emotion of like pure, <coughs> uh, just, just, you're frightened for her. Like it's Yeah, and, just, there, and, and there's there's no escape. Is, yeah, at all. Is, is the end. Because it's surrounded. Because again, either you're in the tight close-up of her face where she can't escape or you're looking at you're being overwhelmed by the faces of her attackers. Right. Who um, are very happy about what they're doing. Yeah. Like very sadistic. Yeah. Uh, and the shot is like through glass underneath the floor behind her head. And again, oh, you just such a shot like, l- like you can't escape either situation on this. And it cuts between those two, two sequences. Um, and then it has this kind of expressionistic moment where yeah. the the red light behind the glass on the floor lights up and her hair goes all over the place too where it kind of like it does this she almost looks one, possessed two, three, four, five yeah. thing and then her hair is perfectly like in a sunburst kind of uh, formation and everything yeah. and um it's, it, i almost felt like that was her it's both her rage snapped. coming yeah it was both her rage coming up you know to the surface as well as almost a calculation of i I'm fucking shit up now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because right from there, it shows her trying to stab the dude on the streets. It goes yeah. right to it. Well, yeah. And b- right before that, though, we have the the scene where she 
like the guy, her her lover, the detective comes in. Oh right, and the use of the setting is oh it's yeah, so no, good. it's so good. It's like a yeah. stage play almost. How they yeah, because because he comes in and he's just like oh yeah, this was all part of my plan. Like yeah. who cares about you? Blah blah. He blah. literally says he says something like. Uh, it's like you guys are under arrest for uh, drug trafficking, and then it's like dot 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 and, now and rape. rape. Yeah, <laughs> like it's kind of like he's just kind of like uh, also rape, you know. And you're like, damn, bro, like <laughs> fuck, like how about you know they're probably rape is the worst one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, at the same time, it seems like a bonus is yeah, what he, is the way that he, he does, sounds yeah, like he, it. He makes it sound like it's not that big of a thing. He's like, you guys are gonna gonna go to jail for tra- drug trafficking. Oh, also that gang rape you did. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a nonchalant yep. action. And then, yeah, the, the set does kind of like a, like a theater set move where it does that kind of trap wall switcheroo. Yeah. Where it reveals, Which the, is where it reveals the crime boss and the detective being like, okay, now we have an understanding. We have a deal now. Yeah. Um, and so she was totally just a tool to use at his disposal. Yeah. Um, I believe that's why she ends up going to prison uh, is because she was... Uh, not only crime affiliated, but then she tries to stab him on the street. Yeah. And they're wildly. Like, yes. <laughs> that's, and that's the one thing is that I like, at first I thought it was like, she was that th- that scene represented like a complete calculation, maybe like a plan, but really it was just her rage because oh, she just it goes was full rage. on back yeah. to this. Like she goes to the street and just starts swiping. Yeah. She has, she has, she has no, like she, she doesn't have the resourcefulness yet to pull that off. Yeah. The which only is, calculation she's made is she wants revenge and that's it. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah, oh, and yeah. then, and then that's what the rest of the film is, is that she learns resourcefulness yes. in the prison right. is in fighting these guards and fighting this, this, this giant system, which she sees as just, um, an extension, an arm extension of this same guy, the same kind of yeah. uh, mentality. And that's, so we have that flashback that kind of contextualizes all of that. And then we come into, she is going to fuck shit up. She's going to escape or she's going to make life hell in this prison for these for the guards. guards. Yeah. And that's where we get more of the, the guards start signaling her out as a reason that they're punishing all of the rest of the women, which makes the women kind of have harsh feeling towards her. Right. And then they try to, I think they, they try to frame her by putting like some sort of like shank or, uh, or like a digging tool in her, Actually, in her clothes. I think it's, um, <coughs> I think that's why the fight happens in the, uh, in in the shower because I think it's actually Matt which is amazing that that puts the shank in the girl that she doesn't likes clothes so that she gets in trouble. Well, no, because she sees that someone else like she sees that that girl is going to do it to someone, and, oh, then, and then she, she does switches it to the girl. It. Okay, gotcha. Because yeah. again, she's she's just kind of has like a a more passive. Uh, fury when she's in the prison because she knows that obviously she's especially when it comes to the women yes because I feel like she knows that even though that some of them are, are being terrible she understands the system that they're that they're in right now yeah um, so so she doesn't do anything to anyone who doesn't otherwise seem like they deserve, deserve it in it. that situation right, for sure um, and then we get an insane uh, probably my favorite scene in the whole movie yeah are you uh, talking about the shower yeah the, the shower sequence where she's like I, I, I don't know if this is you know, incorrect or not, but it seems like the makeup that they add to her almost, it was like a, like, you know, stage makeup that they put on like a demon or something yes. like that. It was and the, very and, and cool. especially the turquoise lighting that like yes. accentuates the lines on her face. Yeah. And the, like the blackness around her eyes. And, yeah. and, even, and she even has like a, a Chelsea grin kind of thing. The, yeah. uh, the cut, you know, the Joker thing basically. Yeah. 
yeah and she's trying to to uh kill batsu for with for what she that she um obviously planted that that device on her mm-hmm. um and then and they even add like a bit of like the like the and, violence with the sex because like while she's running around i mean she's completely topless but it's there, there's no sex involved in it it's just like no. even though she's topless you just see you know, uh, someone unhinged. Well, well, and, and because she's, she's still vulnerable, right? Like she's still in the situation. She's in a perpetual state of being unclothed and being open, um, and probably uncomfortable. Um, and what's amazing is that when this girl is pursuing Matsu to like beat the shit out of her, uh, Matsu again is still passive. She's backing away. Only, only when the girl pursues her, she slams the glass in her face, (laughs) which is such a great little moment. Yeah. It's so funny. And then she picks up the glass, uh, and she's chasing Matsu to stab her. And Matsu again is doing this kind of like deking motions and stuff like that until the lady swings at her. And she just nails, nails the guard. The, yeah, and like the warden, like the yeah, head dude, the right in dude. the eye. And I got, I just gotta give, like, he's a dickhead, but my god, he took that like a man. Yeah. He just kind of like takes it in the eye and is like, and then all right, ladies, her. yeah, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you are an animal. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the moment it goes from that kind of like turquoise, really heavily stylized, like demonic, yeah, uh, like. Uh, chase sequence that's happening in there mm-hmm. yeah. to all of a sudden the realization that she stabbed the warden in the face yeah. and, and she just totally goes back, back to into normal. like like the vulnerable prisoner yeah. mode again the rage has left and she's she's self-aware again basically yeah and it's it, it, it's kind of like that's what the movie ends up going through sequences of is that there's this this brutal realistic system being imposed obviously on these women um and of of, of violence and then there's the kind of this expressionist filmmaking that captures how they feel emotionally about it and what drives their actions yeah. um, later in the film, especially when we get to um, the major sequence, which is the hole digging, mm-hmm. which is so well filmed. Oh, my God. Yes. You just you, you feel that entire scene like as he circles and he, and he shows like just her in this giant crater of a hole and everyone else just kind of surrounding her and. And, and watching as it's happening and yeah and there's so many great moments in this where uh like they're they're telling her to start going again and the camera starts like spinning around her um the, the camera does, almost does like these really gymnastic movements to yeah. show you the physical bodies of the space but also like the geography of the of the scene itself and how and how she's in a giant dirt hole that she's dug herself. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's really great set design. Um, and it's really great camera work and lighting. And I just, I, I was honestly stunned by a lot of the filmmaking, um, especially for this being, uh, an early seventies film, which is not to say that they had bad filmmaking, which is just to say that this, like, like you, you you almost don't feel some of the datedness of this film watching it because of the the stylization. Lighting is truly unbelievable in this film. Like I was captivated by it. And then the, the sequence when the riot finally breaks out and you see the, the big like red sun in the, in the background. And it's just a, just a, a straight shot on like oh, the, and, the and, ground yeah. and you see this like orange uh, skyline behind them and all that. Like it was, yeah. Cause again, it's, it, it, it's all of a sudden like that collect that, that scene, that sequence of like her, the lady chasing her in the shower full of rage. All of a sudden it applies to all of them yeah. and they're instead directing it at the guards this time. Yeah. Cause it, it just, it shows the entire prison just 
it's lost it. It's it's chaos now. Yeah. And again, it's all kicked off by that great moment where where Yuki sees that they're going to... They might even kill Matsu because she's unconscious on the ground and they're like trying to beat the shit out of her. Yeah. And Yuki, in slow motion, pure silence, just comes at him with the shovel and just like oh, nearly shit. decapitates the guard with a shovel. Like it's yeah. pretty insane. Uh, but yeah, that sequence, especially with the, the big red sun that comes up again... Coming back to the Japanese flag, which is obviously yeah, the big red sun, and they they do a lot of references to it throughout the movie with the Japanese flag, or at least a a circle with red again because uh, it has to represent the flag. I mean, it, I, well, yeah, and and again, it it feels like it's it's indicting the the entire culture itself. Yeah, that it's saying this all happens in a country's government system, yeah. which is being like come on <laughs> like why like 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 how <laughs> this is this shouldn't be <laughs> yeah how is this allowed to happen yeah um yeah well the, the riot is just a great example of the overall stylization of the film this like obviously this kind of like harsh lighting and there's this there's the spacey music that kind of comes up mm-hmm. every now and again too but the main thing that happens during the riot is that yuki gets killed yeah um and in Which that moment sets it off yeah in that moment that yuki gets killed uh the sun shifts from red to blue and all of a sudden there's there's again same with kill bill there's there's like a sadness in that again yeah. this is you know women a lot of the time being pitted against women for reasons that shouldn't have to be for like systemic reasons yeah. um that that shouldn't exist and <laughs> but the big thing that happens is that yuki tells her about the the other woman who is being paid by the detective to like kill her in prison this is a big plot point mm. is that she she's being uh, pursued violently by another female prisoner um, so that that again, just like the soup lady, so that she can, can you know get a step up on the ladder. Yeah. Because, again, women are willing to sell out other women for a place in the current power structure. Right. And what Matsu, well, I mean, w- what it. Matsu is trying to do is tear down that power structure. Right. Because, again, she's seeing that it's bad for all the women. But there are clearly women in this prison who are willing to to sell out the other ones to get a get a spot in it to become a guard. <laughs> yeah. And you and I mean you've seen that just in history itself. I mean it happened to with within the Holocaust. You yeah. know what I mean? Like these systems they 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 almost create a situation where like you obviously there's there's blame to be had for these these women, you know, in in the situation that are doing these things to to Matsu and, and, and all that. But again, you but can't, you can't same, ignore the context for how yeah, they got there, like, right? It's like, you almost understand why they're doing it. It's like, either she's she's that person or she's Matsu. And she's on the lower end of the totem pole. So yeah. she's just playing the game. And unfortunately, that's what the game is. It, it's just, it's a terrible, terrible game. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what happens as Matsu comes to pursue her. And what they do is because of the riot, they now have control of the prison. And you see what the, the prison looks like with the women in control. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is that the first thing a lot of the women start doing is raping the guards. Yep. Uh, and and you're just like, what again, did, did again. Did you think that that was like a, uh, a sexual expression at that point for them? I think. I or think was it more of a power struggle? It was, it was, it was, it was a more power, power thing. Move, it, was, yeah. it was being like, we're the guards now. Yeah. But, and, and we again, have the power. We have the control. And we'll do whatever we want. It, like you have done to us. 
exactly exactly yeah. and and what the the girl who's pursuing matsu does is abuses the situation and has all the girls turn on matsu and then they they string her up um yeah. and they they beat the shit out of her because again they all blame matsu for being in this situation despite the fact that again the cards Ma- yeah the it's system yeah it's yeah. The, it's 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 the system like they don't they don't get the power that the power dynamic is the issue yeah and that they they instead they want to blame just someone for yeah. it so they blame matsu because it's the easiest route to take and it's it's obviously the most obvious you exactly, because it's the most surface level critique of what's right. happening in this situation. You, you just see she's associated with all this; it has to be her fault. And yeah, they go for it. Yeah. So what what ends up happening though is that the girl goes a step too far and tries to light Matsu on fire and burn the whole prison down. Right. And the other women realize what's happening, and all of a sudden they're like, "Whoa! Like we didn't sign up for all burning to death. <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell? <laughs> we were just beating her up a little bit." Yeah. The guard and the and the the guards do sneak back in. And they take control again, which is a, a bit of a depressing ending uh, at that point where you get this, basically the guards just assume power again mm-hmm. and that the riot didn't really accomplish a whole lot. But, but again, because the riot's goals weren't correct. Yeah. They weren't, you know, they, they had power for a second there and they didn't use it to try and, you know, they tried to get food and then yeah. they tried, then they raped the guards. And like this, this was not the action that they needed to take to get this done. No, no, not at all. But what but I think they were just so overwhelmed by the power that, that at that point where they realized exactly. it was just, it was revenge, really. It was and, revenge. And, yeah, it was another, it was a form of vengeance on all the oppression that they felt over these years. Yeah, and then what Matsu does is Matsu does get out. Matsu does escape. And there's this great sequence where where she basically becomes the villain in a slasher movie. And just yeah, one by one. Coat, yeah. And she's like, she's almost like a secret agent in a way. Yeah, like she looks like she's dressed for like a funeral that she's going to kill everyone at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, and she just one by one starts picking off all these dudes as if she's like Jason or something. And uh, leading, and again, because she, she's decided she's going to take down the heads of the system. That these yeah. are the people who orchestrate all of this even even the guards in their own way don't control it these yeah. guys control it right so she's killing them all off and she finally gets to the detective <laughs> and she has this great moment where the only death that is slow is the detectives yeah. because there's like a five minute sequence where she's chasing him down and he's huffing and puffing and i think he's been stabbed like once even yeah. twice yeah and he's like trying to run away and he's like squirming away and he looks so pathetic and which is amazing because throughout the entire first half hour, he's like suave and like kind of, he's not cool, but he's got that cool attitude. Like he's yeah. just like, I got all my shit together. I'm a success. I'm whatever. And then you see him just as this like pathetic human being running from his, uh, uh, person that he oppressed essentially. Yeah. And, and he, <laughs> what, what's interesting is that the violence that she perpetrates on him and like the, the slow way that the filmmaking kind of has it's almost painful to watch in the same way that some of the earlier stuff is to watch. But again, she's like, this is what you've done to us. I'm going to make you uh, more so than any of the other people. You're going to experience this slowly. Yeah. It's pain (laughs) that we've all felt. Yep. And then once again, we get the knife in the air, right? (laughs) Yep. Right up, right in the middle of the Jap, the Japanese flag. Like it's, it's a heavy symbol symbolism there in the, in the film. Yep. And we get, Again, a great shot of her face looking back. It's the same eyes. Yep. She's got it. Determination. <laughs> she yep. made it. <laughs> she did it. And what? Well, what's up? Uh, I forget this part. She goes back to the prison, right? Because at the end, it ends with her in the prison. Does or is it? that? Yeah, but but the way that it ends is more like a a credit ending. 
Because mm. it's remember, it's her walking in the hall, and then it pauses, and then it goes uh, Scorpion, or whatever her name is, Scorpion, and then it ends. Right. Um, but she's in the prison. Oh, I so totally I, blanked I, on that part. Yeah, well, I kind of did too. I didn't write it in my notes, but I don't think in the movie, and once again, our viewers can maybe correct us if we're wrong here. Um, yeah. I don't think that they show her going back to the prison, but I was a little confused by that because she kills the dude, and then the ending sequence is her back in prison. Uh, yeah. So I was a little confused by that, but I mean, it still works perfectly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I say we enter the reductive rating round, yes. as we always do, where we take Let's all take away all the words, all the nuance, all the complexity, and reduce the film into a rating between one and five. Uh, and honestly, this is going to be the first double five for me. Female Prisoner is going to get the five. Nice. I, I went back and forth on it a bit, but I eventually landed on it because the style, yeah. the, the, the expressionistic filmmaking, the kind of like theatrical nature of it and how it so well captures the psychology of of both her revenge and of both uh the active system of oppression that she's involved in uh is i can't pass it up (laughs) yeah no i i feel you i i am gonna give it a four right now Mm -hmm. but it's one of those films that i feel it's a high four right now and it was a high four right away um it's one of those films i feel like Maybe over time, it, it, it'll just latch on to me, like, with that five. Totally. Um, but right now, I'm going to give it the high four. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, that is it for... Whoa, I'm dropping phones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for Female Prisoner, number 701, Scorpion. Such a good one. Oh Such God. a good one. Yeah. So the, glad this, we got the, to watch it. Yeah, we got, to, we got two... To, uh, thank you to Willow for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, thanks, Willow, for this uh, suggestion because it was a, uh, two great films to talk about, uh, especially in relation to each other. Yeah. Um, Worked perfectly. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning into this episode of uh, Sleezoids. The reaction so far to the show has been um, overwhelming and very, yeah. very, we're very happy about it. Having lots of fun. Uh, we have two patrons to thank this week. We both have Pat Miller. Uh, as well as uh, J.C. Emery. Yes. Um, both new honorary Sleezoids who are very glad uh, to welcome on with everybody else, and we hope to see more of you guys soon. Uh, again, if you guys want to subscribe, um, you can at patreon.com slash podcast. You can also find us at Twitter, uh, at twitter.com slash Yes. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at the Josh Ella. And I'm uh, at Jamie Miller, ACAS, A-C-A-S, or lowercase. Uh, normally in this part of the show, we uh, we tell you guys what we have in store for the next episode. And I think what we have is we're going to have a guest episode. We're trying to secure to make sure that we have the guest. Yeah. But uh, what we're going to be talking about regardless is we're going to be talking a, an Ozploitation double feature, which for those of you not in the know is Australian yeah. exploitation. Two films I haven't seen or heard of. Yeah, uh, I know I haven't. <laughs> but they they have some amazing uh, plots involving violent people fighting back against nature or like <laughs> nature trying to take people down. Uh, it all sounds like absolute craziness. I know one of the taglines was something along the lines of their crime was against nature. Nature found them guilty, <laughs> which That's is just a classic which, line. which is good shit, That's which is good, good shit. Uh, uh, so those the, those films, guilty. those films are going to be Long Weekend uh, from 1978, uh, as well as Razorback from 19. 19- 
84. So we cool. hope to see you guys tune in for for that episode. We're Which gonna... one is the more well-known one? I don't I I haven't either heard of one, either of sure. them. Yeah. The get the guest uh who we will reveal when that show eventually airs nominated both these films so it's oh, okay. gonna be real interesting because yeah. so far i've seen at least one of the films we've talked about every single week uh and this episode no clue about either of them <laughs> yeah. so either way uh it sounds like it's gonna be a fun episode so make sure to tune in for that please do uh anyway guys thanks so much keep it sleazy keep it sleazy ladies and gentlemen